Welcome to The Craft. I'm your host, Mae Globus. This podcast is a collection of intimate conversations on artistry, mastery, and life with talented, passionately curious creatives and entrepreneurs. Most are dear friends, some are those I've admired from afar. I hope you enjoy these conversations, this exploration of the humanity that connects all of us as much as I do having them. Thank you for being here and for listening. Cultivate Tea co-founder Jude Wang is a man who's not only interesting, but interested. Sitting at his tea bar and diving into a bottomless conversation will lead to some profound thoughts, ideas, and philosophies of living. He was born in China and spent all of his childhood there before moving to Canada at the age of 12. His initial years here were surprisingly supportive and open as an immigrant kid, with the school he attended being diverse and multicultural. He eventually went to university for finance before moving back to Beijing for four years, answering an inner call to experience a bigger city. It was here that he discovered tea at a small, nondescript shop. In this conversation, we examine growing up in China and his naturally mischievous personality, his experience as an immigrant, the pullback to Beijing, and the reason he felt the need to live there for a time in his life, the magical and fateful way he discovered tea while living there, building deep and trusting relationships with small-scale tea farmers in Yunnan province, the journey of building his original shop and his current one, the ceremony of tea, and why the same tea leaves will taste different depending on who is pouring it, and much more. Please enjoy this wonderful conversation with the wise, inquisitive, and intentional Jude Wang. Jude Wang. Hi. Hi, welcome to The Craft. Thanks so much for having me. Thank I'm you. really excited you're here. Thank you. We're taking one of our uh, tea bar conversations <laughs> that's true and and bringing it into the pod studio exactly that's exactly what's happening yeah so as i was saying earlier i love connecting how i i met my guest my friend on the on the other side and i was telling you i actually um walked by your old location on around like main and 20th many years ago and I had wanted to go in because I was so intrigued, mm-hmm. but you were closed that day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then probably fast forward like four years later or something, you move your location moved two blocks away from me. So it's, yeah. a, it's a very easy pop in now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yes, no, I'm I'm so happy that uh, you and I met, and uh, mm-hmm. just always love our conversations and all the directions that that they go in. Exactly. We, you just never know. You come in for it's time for a tea and the conversation just goes just goes on itself. Yes, yes. And I've met some really interesting people too, like at the bar, like people who've come in that you've introduced me to. Mm-hmm. It really is a you know, a community spot. That is true. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Well let's go back. Let's go back to when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. You were born in China. Yes, yes. Yeah. I was born in northern China in a very small town. And uh, when I was about six or eight, most of my family moved to to Beijing. And uh, when I was 12, I uh, came to Vancouver with my parents. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what are your parents like? They're just traditional Chinese parents. They're very, they're just, yeah, my my dad works with computers. My mom, she was working in uh, actually traditional Chinese medicine uh, or, 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 yeah, pharmacy. Um, so yeah, yeah, and they came. They left it all and, and came to Vancouver for me, really. Mm. And is it just you? 
it's just me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So your mother was in traditional Chinese medicine? Yes. Like yes, as a TCM was. doctor? She wasn't a doctor. I think she was working with one of the, um, I guess, uh, pharmacies that's, that's who made traditional Chinese medicine. Mm. So I think she was selling. She was trying to sell the, the traditional Chinese medicine to hospitals in Beijing. Oh. So that's what she was doing. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very fascinated with traditional Chinese medicine. Um, you know, a, a number of years ago, I started seeing one in Chinatown, in the Chinatown here. And the way that he improved my health through various teas really blew my mind, as well as him being able to basically feel my pulse and look at my tongue. Right. With his, and, you know, he'd feel my, his, my pulse with his eyes closed. Oh, wow. And he just, he knew what he needed to do to... <laughs> he knew what my liver was doing. He wow. knew exactly what was going on. So it's, yeah, it it's almost true. seems, it almost seems magical, but, you Yeah, know. they could tell a lot about your body just through the pulse, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah, I'm, and I'm curious, like, given what you do now with mm -hmm. the teas, was there any influence from watching your, your mom doing what she was doing? No, no, not really. I was too young to comprehend it. Mm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I... I, and I grew up here pretty much, so yeah. I don't think it wasn't until um, really like when I moved to Beijing or when I was much older that I was able to appreciate and, and comprehend and and the, China, the traditional Chinese medicine, yeah. uh, the wisdom in that. Mm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And what were you like as a kid and just a teen? A, uh, just, just, just a kid, I was... Uh, love to play I, I play a lot of soccer um yeah it was just uh i, I loved um okay I, sorry i think we had to cut this part out what's the word i'm looking for um you know when you're like a kind of like a, a kid that's like a bad kid not a bad kid but always oh, in trouble yes. what was yeah, that word? you're mischievous mischievous yes yes yes, yes. yes. i was a, quite a mischievous kid actually i would um always get into trouble Actually. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of things were you doing? This is. <laughs> I'm laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because I I can kind of see it, but also kind of not. Given given you now. Let's see. Um, I would like skip out of classes, and uh, and uh, take my money that my parents would give me and go outside of the like. You're not allowed to do that in in the schools back then. You shouldn't sneak out of your like the school as a yeah. little compound. You're a rebel. Yeah, yeah. I would sneak out and I would go because there's these little street vendors outside the school. They're selling toys and they're selling like, candy, <laughs> and I would always sneak out and I would like go and buy like candy and toys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Were you caught well, a lot? I was very mischievous actually. Yeah. I was um, like rebellious. I think. I why would, do you think you were? Why I do you think know. you were? I don't know. Actually, I would like uh, challenge the teachers. I would like say if a teacher treated me bad or I didn't like her, I would like uh, I don't know before she start her class, I would draw like a, a picture of her on the on the on the blackboard, what? you know, mocking her or something. <laughs> yeah, I was really mischievous. Actually, like there's actually if you talk to my family, like my parents, yeah. I don't remember too much of it. But if you talk to my parents or my my grandparents or my aunts, like they could tell you all these stories about how mischievous I was. I was actually very mischievous. <laughs> yeah, I would. That's and my hilarious. grandma used to tell me. I love it. Um, 
I didn't, like just different things. Like I would like race with the buses. Like I, you know, like in Beijing, like there's all these buses going. I, I would always, like I would try to race with the bus and just so many different things about yeah. Yeah, very oh, strange. man, I love it. Yeah, I was I a love it. I would kid. never I would never guess that you're a wild child. I was definitely a wild child. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> for sure. So what was it like for you then moving from there to here at 12? Because that's, you know, it's a considerable chunk of life to grow up over there and then have to make a transition into basically a new world. Yeah, um, I think I, I, I don't think I was able to comprehend what happened at the time. Um, I don't think I was able to comprehend what immigration meant. Mm-hmm. I knew that I used the word. I, I remember I was telling one of my uh, friends in, in, in school back in Beijing, I was like, oh, I'm going to immigrate. My parents are immigrating to Canada. But I don't even think I knew what the word immigrant meant. Mm. Um, so I came here and I was I went to one year of elementary school here. And I, I, I was in East Vancouver, actually. It was called Queen Elizabeth. That's the elementary school, right mm-hmm. on Clark and 11th. Mm. And it was such a multicultural school back then. There were kids from all different places, Sri Lanka, Vietnamese. Oh, is it the uh, school that's right on the corner? Yes. Okay, yes. the big one. Yes. And okay, I had such a yeah. good experience there mm-hmm. because people just uh, kind of just like welcome me in with open arms. Like I remember the, the biggest challenge obviously was English. But I remember that these the kids didn't make fun of me. They would actually teach me. Like they were very patient mm. and they, they would teach me English. So I actually had a really, really good experience in that school. Wow. It just felt, because it was so multicultural, it just felt um, really nice. Yeah. yeah. And maybe also a school of other children who were immigrants or, you know, children of immigrants. So maybe yes. there was a compassion and empathy of being Yes, new. for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. I just remember so strongly that I had classmates who were from Sri Lanka, yeah. from Vietnam. Like, they were all immigrants. Yeah. And... Uh, and even I think the kids that were from Vancouver, they were somewhat cool kids because I remember they were wearing like Jordan sneakers back then. Yeah. They were also just very nice. Mm. Like they, they didn't make fun of me. They were, they, like if I pronounce a word wrong or they were just correct me in, in a nice way. So that was very surprising. That was, I think back of it very, very fondly right now. Ah. Oh, of the time. I like that. It's not, I, I feel like it's not a story you might often hear. Mm-hmm. You know, from someone who is coming into a country young and going into school. Yeah, yeah. But it was only there. And after that, I moved to a different school. Mm. And it's, um, and my experience there wasn't as, as good, I think. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There was definitely more of, uh, you know, groups and, and, and um, exclusion. And, and, and it was high school, right? Uh, actually, it was also a elementary school, I believe. But only, oh, okay. I spent only a, maybe a few months there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I that that time in Queen Elizabeth or uh, no Queen Alexandra yeah. was very uh, was a very good experience. Mm. I'm very very grateful for that experience. Mm. And your love for for tea, when did that start? Actually, I never. I was not a tea drinker. Mm. I I was drinking tea bags when I was in Vancouver. I was mainly a coffee drinker, of course, just like mm. everybody else. Um, so that that the, the tea didn't start until when I was in Beijing, and I surprised I actually didn't go into tea being a tea drinker. I it was just by accident actually. So you just discovered it. Yeah, yeah. I was in uh, Beijing, and uh, I was one day I was just 
uh, walking in the old streets, the old alleyways of Beijing, and I saw this tiny shop, um, and in an old building. And the old buildings in, in Beijing are, are the shops look a bit different there, so it's all just concrete, and there's no window, so you can't look in and see what it is, and there was no signage, and it was just a door, so just concrete, a, a small door in, in the middle, and the door was covered with plants, no signage at all. And I was like, "This looks very interesting. It's very mysterious. I wonder what what's in there." And so I walked in, and it turned out to be a tea shop. A, a, a young lady who was selling poor tea、mm. from her hometown of Yunnan. She's from Yunnan.、Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think back and I say, if there was actually a signage there that says tea shop or tea, I probably wouldn't have gone in because I was not、yeah. interested in tea. I was not. I wasn't like, oh yeah, like I want to learn more about tea. Oh, you know what I love about that is you were just telling us about how mischievous you were, and so I went, yeah, it must have been that natural kind of like curiosity. Yes, or, you exactly. Know, actually, it was de- the rebel in you that was like, I'm gonna go here. Yeah, I don't know was, what it is. It was definitely the, the curiosity. Mm, yeah, because it was nothing else. I was just curious about、right. what, this, what this place is.、Hmm. And so, we'll take it back just a little bit. So. Teenage years, and then you ended up studying finance, biology, and finance. Biology and finance at, at UBC. Yeah, at, at UBC. yeah. Ah, I went there too.、Okay. <laughs> and then it was off of that, you went back to Beijing、yes. because you were saying you were saying earlier,、uh, pre-recording, that you wanted to see what bigger city life was. Yeah. So therefore, went just, back to China. Yeah, there was just that urge in me that I just wanted to. Go to a big city, and explore and see what's out there.、Mm. I always thought that Vancouver was a very small city. I guess when you're young, that's what you think. It's too small for you. Yeah.、Um, and but I had no plans. Yeah, I had no plans. I had no job offerings. I had nothing.、Um, I first went to Hong Kong and I stayed there for a few months.、Mm-hmm. I had a friend there, and but that was it. I didn't have anything. No plans at all. Yeah. And then I stayed in Hong Kong for a few months, and I I、uh, went to Beijing, and same thing, no plans, no job, like nothing. Yeah, but family. Yes, I had yes. family in Beijing. That was very important.、Mm-hmm. Yes.、Mm-hmm. Yes. And then you decided to be there for how many years? A number of years. Four years. Four,、yeah. four years. Yeah. And so, what was life? Did you love life in Beijing? Like, did did you find what you were? Seeking when you were there, but you see, that's the thing. I wasn't seeking anything. I didn't have、mm. any preconceptions about what I wanted to do or what I was looking for in Beijing.、Mm-hmm. I just went in there with, I guess, curiosity.、Mm. I had no idea what to expect,、mm. and、uh, so life was very different. I think I faced a lot of challenges in terms of culture, because when I when I first went back, I actually didn't speak、uh, fluent Chinese. Like it was okay. It was everyday conversational level was fine, but.、Uh, I couldn't express myself very well、mm. with the limited Chinese I had. Right.、Um, but deeper than that, it was the culture. So I was working in a for a, a corporate job basically for a huge company, and it was a. I actually specifically didn't want to work for a multinational company because in Beijing, a lot of so-called. I mean, I kind of was an expat, if you say, because I'm from Canada,、mm. and I spoke perfect English. So most expats or people who go there would take a job in a multinational company, and people there would speak English.、Um, but I specifically didn't want to work for a multinational company. I was like, no, I want to experience China like a completely local Chinese company.、Mm. People spoke Chinese, and and、uh, I wanted to experience the real thing. So I was working for a, a local big company,、mm. um, 
So the experience there was just wild. I mean, it was the culture. It was just so different. The, the way that people did things, the way people communicated or collaborated in the company, it was completely different. And I found that very challenging, but I learned so much from yeah. it. Yeah. How so? Like, if if you were going to compare um, a corporate experience or a company experience there versus here, what would you say are a couple differences? I would say it's uh, all about the subtleties there. It's about it's about the the it's about the I guess managing connections, managing people. Mm. Um, that is way more important there. It's about subtleties in the Chinese culture. Um, everything like you shouldn't, it, it, you shouldn't be uh, expressing too much of yourself. Mm. It's you have to be um, very careful about about what what part of you that you expose to other people, what mm. you say, and how you handle relationships. That's very very important there. Mm. So I imagine there is a lot of like um, subtleties around respect and hierarchy exactly. and exactly. yeah, not unlike say a Japanese culture or. Korean culture, yes, yes. Maybe Asian cultures in general. Now that I'm yes, saying it, yes, for wow. sure, yes, mm. yes. And was that difficult for you? For sure, because yeah. I think I was taught in, you know, I, I learned, I grew up here, so uh, I was taught to be direct and straightforward and just say what you think mm -hmm. and never, you know, be afraid to express your own opinions. Mm -hmm. uh, but over there, it's not so much about the individual; it's about collective, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's not so much about your opinion; it's about uh, what's best or uh, collectively yeah right? and, and also I think understanding other people's positions um, and their opinions mm -hmm. um, so yeah hmm. is that eventually what you brought you back to Vancouver was um, I guess yes, part, part of it part of it was was the, the cultural like it was mm. but I think the majority of it uh, definitely was at the end of 23rd or at in fall of 2013 um, there was that really bad smog that was happening in Beijing. Mm. That was the first time that happened. And uh, that was really bad. And I was like, wow, this is... And the sky was gray most of the days. And I was like, this is really bad. And and I think I was also missing the West Coast here because when I, when I was there, I would come back to Vancouver and visit. And I just remembered how much I loved and missed running in Stanley Park, um, seeing, being right by the ocean and being in the forest. And that was only like a 10, 20-minute drive. Yes. Um, so I really miss that. I and mean, in Beijing, that's just not possible. They're, you're not really close. You're not close to the ocean. Mm -hmm. You're not close to these ancient forests. Um, of course, there's a lot of you can travel. China's a huge country, and you know people would travel on the weekends. But you have to take an airplane, and, and it's 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 a lot of more time commitment. It's just different. Of course, it's yeah. not at your doorstep. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think I really miss that part about Vancouver. Mm. Um, so yeah. So that's that's I decided to come back at the end of 2013. Yeah. Yeah. But then you ended up going back again in mm -hmm. April of the next year. And that yes. was your first sourcing trip yes. for the tea. And you mm -hmm. were starting to build your relationships with the small-scale farmers out there. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you kind of created this nice little bridge for yourself between there and here over it the years, just no? It all worked out, I feel like. Mm -hmm. It was very strange. It happened all very organically because uh, I think when I was in Beijing, when I was planning to come back to Vancouver, I was already thinking about, oh, because I was at that time already – so I first went to that little tea shop. I discovered that little tea shop. That was probably in 2011 or 2012. Okay. So by the time in end of 2013, I was drinking tea. I was I was quite a tea drinker then. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, where am I going to get my teas now in Vancouver that I'm going to move back? There was nothing like this in Vancouver. Um, I knew that there was Chinese tea shops and all that, but 
none of it was what that experience that I just I experienced there, like with that shop. Uh, very curated selection of teas, each with their own story. Very seasonal. Um, so I was like, okay, maybe I could, maybe I should do this mm-hmm. because tea was such an amazing thing and it was um, very interesting. There were so much different teas, so much stories behind it, so much different tastes for different occasions, different moods, and uh, so much to discover and learn. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, well, in Vancouver, and in Vancouver at the time, there was coffee bars and, and wine bars. And, and uh, I was like, well, why, why is there not like this for tea? Right. So I was like, okay, maybe this is an idea. Yeah. And um, and yeah, and I, I decided to to f- pursue this once I came back to Vancouver. And so I was like, well, if I wanted to do this, the only way for me to do it was to, I had to source my own teas. Right. Because that was very important to me that yeah. I didn't want to just buy, I didn't want to be just a tea merchant, just buying tea from wholesalers and then sell it. Mm-hmm. Because there's no shortage of teas from China. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wanted to have the, the good stuff, the really special teas that were um, small, small scale, craft made by artisans and craftsmen and mm-hmm. uh, from the origin where, where they're supposed to be from with the stories and, and handcrafted by people who uh, still made them according to tradition yes. and heritage. Right. So, yeah. yeah, I'm so curious to know when you went back there and you were starting to build your relationships with the farmers, was it was it hard to get in there because and this is just me assuming but um if they're you know this is what they do and maybe you know their their families or they've been doing this for generations i imagine that they're pretty careful on who they decide to work with for sure yes yes so it was actually i think yes it's very difficult because um there's not there's the craft tea producers in china there's very small group it's a small community there's mm-hmm. not many of them and they're I guess hard to seek out um, and so they're, they're all connected but they're hard to seek out because you have so much tea in China China's a huge country there's it's huge there's tea there's tea in a lot of different places mm-hmm. um, so I, I when I was in Beijing I actually met my my tea mentor um, so it was really through her that she introduced me and she could see the passion in me that I wanted to bring this thing to to Vancouver Mm -hmm. so she ended up introducing me to these craftsmen and slowly and over time so and when you meet one of them um, then you slowly meet the other people as well right they're all kind of connected even though they're from different places they're very far apart yeah but uh, I guess they're bound together by their shared philosophies and values Mm -hmm. around tea Mm -hmm. and that's why they all know each other and they visit each other actually sometimes they when it's off season, uh, they would actually like travel to the other provinces and visit the other tea farmers That's and just amazing. see their tea farms. Yeah, oh, it's like a little family. I- exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's so incredible. I was doing a little bit of research, and you know, some of these trees that the leaves come from—it's like they're eight hundred plus years old, and you know, these farmers have been foraging for picking wild leaves for generations. Mm-hmm. Yes, it it's is very really beautiful. Yes, it is, and it's um. It's kind of a vanishing tradition, though, mm. because now we're... And I think that's what really moved me and touched me when I first found out about this type of tea, uh, the small-scale tea that were, each tea had its own story. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that uh, these, these, these people were um, dedicating their whole life and their energy and time into preserving these very fragile traditions. Um, 
against all odds, really, because now, I mean, when I was working in China, in a modern society, it's all about prioritizing increased efficiency, mm-hmm. increased profits, right? So I think yeah. it really touched Quicker me. Quicker more. Exactly, yeah. right? It really moved me that there were still people that were dedicated their time to mm-hmm. preserving these traditions. Mm. Um, so, yeah. And it's important. I mean, you and I have talked about the importance of preserving tradition and how important it is to us as individuals. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, we've chatted, and I think part of, you know, my other occupation with the, the sound therapy and the sound being f- around for a very, very, very long time, um, you know, that's in my own small way preserving sound as, as medicine. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, because I think it's really important that those mm-hmm. things don't get lost. Yeah. It's it's made this world how multifaceted it is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so tell me about finding your space, your first space in 2014. And you basically, you guys built that all yourselves. Mm-hmm. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And you're very specific about wanting a tea bar in there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it actually happened very organically, how I found that space. So that space used to be the soap dispensary space, their mm. old space. And I just, I remember I was a customer of theirs. Uh, so I would go in there and, and shop. Uh, and I just remember one day I went there and it was, the shop was so busy because it's a small space. It was only about 450 square feet. Right. And it was so busy. So I just curiously, I just asked the, the staff, I said, you guys are so busy now. Are you guys going to be... Uh, getting a new, like moving to a new, bigger location or finding a, a new space. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was already looking for a space for the, mm. for the tea shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but when I asked the question, I wasn't trying to get that space for myself. I was just curious. Yeah. And she said, actually, you know what? Yeah, we are actually moving. We're we found a new bigger location right across the street from here. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I said, oh, that's interesting. And yeah. So, and and uh, and. I said, okay, then I might be interested in this space. Mm-hmm. And she asked me to get in contact with the owner, Lynn, and, and sent her an email. So I did, and, and, and Lynn sent me back an, a very nice email. She said, yeah, we're moving out, but there's actually two more people in front of me already that's interested in this space. Mm. Um, because it is a very nice neighborhood. Yeah, it's, it's great. Very, uh, it's a great little um, neighborhood. Uh, there's the Organic Acres. There's all these really nice, beautiful local shops there already. Yeah. Coca El Leaf. Um, Eugene Shu and there's that little community mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Uh, and so I said okay yeah, there's two people in front of me I'm probably not going to get this space and then I think a few months later maybe two months later um, she, I got an email out of something from Lynn she's like well here's the contact information for the landlord's agent the two people in front of you they actually they didn't take the space so here you go you, it's, wow. uh, it's your turn yeah. and I was like well okay so that was that so That's it happened so really awesome. organically, like yeah. Again, like it was just it was meant to to happen. Yeah, if you look, if you think about, about your life, I think all the things that happened and that made a difference probably just happened by chance and really organically. Like mm-hmm. you didn't have to do anything. You didn't have to push so hard to make yes. it happen, which is. I think that that's uh, something to contemplate on too. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love when things happen. I call it just being in flow. Like I think it's just kind of flow in when you need it and it's it's almost uh, like a wonderful surprise exactly when it does i think i was taught i mean we're all taught that oh like if we want to make something happen you got to fight so hard for it you got to push hard you have to mm-hmm. pull strings and all of that mm-hmm. 
and uh, and it's and then it's hard for you not to to not think that way. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's always like, well, if I want this to happen, I got to do this and that. And you make yourself so stressed out. Yeah. Uh, and then you get so disappointed when things don't work out you, the way that you want them to. Such a modern construct, isn't right? it? Right. But yeah. then you think back about, I mean, for my life at least, I think back about all the things that happened that actually made a big difference. Mm-hmm. I think every single time it was, it's, I didn't really have to do anything. Mm-hmm. I just had to let go and just, it just happened. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to push hard. I didn't have to be so stressed out about it. Yes. It was just a surprise. Yeah, you didn't force it. Yeah, I didn't force it at all. Yeah. So I think that's something very, um, very interesting. I was having a conversation with my friend Guillory the other day, and um, she was a, also a podcast guest, and um, just chatting about the notions of what success means, and especially, you know, maybe at this stage of life now that we're older and a little bit older and a little bit wiser. And she said, you know, it's nice to think that um, the new definition of success could mean, you know, having the abundance, not only financially, but just like other things in your life, Um, being able to pay your bills and having the life that you want, but without the exhaustion. And I was like, oh, yeah, not having to push so hard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which seems like a very nice notion. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then in 2018, you moved to your new space at Main and 7th, which is beautiful. I love walking in there. It's just- it's so beautiful and peaceful in its simplicity. Thank you. Yeah, I feel very transported when I walk in there. Um, we got the space. We took possession of the space in 2018 mm-hmm. in, in April. And it was just an empty shell space. Mm-hmm. It was completely just concrete. Um, and uh, yeah, and we took us a year, one full year to build the new location. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and you were very, I think that I read somewhere that you guys were making like 3D models mm-hmm. and you're oh drawing gosh. everything out like tape on the walls yes, like yes. you're very hands-on in that wow yeah i yeah. was i guess i was too young too naive yeah uh, <laughs> um i i was uh i didn't know what i was getting myself into i think yeah but uh i mean same as our with philosophy with the tea sourcing we, mm. i wanted to be very hands-on i wanted to be involved in every aspect of it and so i was actually my own general contractor Wow. Um, because I had known uh, that I wanted everything in the shop, that uh, uh, all the furniture to be made by uh, Takao Hitomi, mm-hmm. which is two amazing uh, Japanese furniture makers. Yeah. So I had already known them. And I, I was very adamant on them uh, crafting everything in the shop for me, although what working was to be done by them. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, so I already had my furniture maker. All I needed now was a drywaller, a electrician, a plumber, and a HVAC technician. And I said, well, that's not too many trays to manage. I could probably do that myself, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, so I was just so naive, young and naive. So young and naive <laughs> because I completely didn't know what I was getting myself into. Uh, but I, was, I learned so much from that because yeah. I didn't have any construction experience before that. And uh, so I, but I did it. I yeah. did it. It was uh, such a process. Uh, but yeah, I remember going to different lumber yards and looking for the plywood that we were going to use for our shop selecting each one by hand yes. I was selecting each piece mm. and um, and we made a decision to I was going to uh, stain the wood with a tea a poor yes, tea stain poor tea. Mm-hmm. and um, and I was going to finish all the wood myself so I sanded everything and I um, finished it with 
and it's called Osmos, an oil finish myself. Mm -hmm. So every single piece of wood in there, in the shop, even inside the cabinetries. So intentional, everything. Yeah. It was yeah, a lot of work. I mean, anyone who's listening to this, you you must go into the shop and you must <laughs> sit at the tea bar and have a conversation <laughs> with Jude. You will feel you will feel great when you leave. Thank you. <laughs> um, I was actually reading about more about poor tea, mm-hmm. and um, and you can correct me if if I'm wrong, but um, it's a kind of tea. It's it's a variety of fermented tea, right? That yes. comes from. Um, Yunnan? Yes, Yunnan province. province southwest China. China. Yeah, yeah, right. And so it, it it's actually tea that continues to age over time, right? Mm-hmm. Depending on how, what microbes and fermentation happens. Yes, right? yes, yes. It's a so very, cool very fascinating dynamic. tea category, actually. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people are very interested in pour now. And yes. it's... Um, that was the tea. Pour was the first tea that I saw in that tea shop that I went to in Beijing, and that was at the same time also very fascinating because I've never seen a pour cake before because the tea is compressed into a little is into a little cake form, and so when I first saw it, I was like, "This is never seen this before," and I asked her, "I said, what is this tea? How is this different from green tea or Japanese green tea that I was drinking at the time?" Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just so much to learn about pour. So. Pour is actually very different from white or green or oolong or black or any other type of tea. It, ha- it has to come from Yunnan province. And it's actually, the trees are a different varietal. It's mm. not the, all the other teas are mostly a tea bush. Mm-hmm. So even though they, the tea bushes are can grow up to about 8 to 10 feet, the poor tree is actually a tree with a trunk. Um, so it's big, it's huge, yeah. it could be. Yeah. Um, and some of the poor trees in Yunnan are are 500 years old, 600 years old. They're wow. very, very old. Mm-hmm. And it used to be that um, um, that the poor cakes, they would transport it from Yunnan to Tibet or even to Beijing as a tribute for the emperor. And they wow. would, and that's the start of the ancient uh, tea horse road. Yeah. And uh, and it, so they would pack on these teas onto the horses, donkeys, and they, they would take months for them to transport it to Tibet or Beijing. Because it would rain and there was heat and humidity when they were traveling on the road, the tea would already become fermented by the time it got to Tibet or Beijing. Mm. So that's how the fermented tea came from, or fermented pour. Right. Yeah. Ah. And then, like the way that it's 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 packed. Is there is there a reason why it's packed in a, a cake other than it being completely easy, trans- easy for transport? Exactly. Is that basically easy what transport. it is? Easy to transport because mm. the tea was crafted in a way that. Um, it has to be full, complete, full leaf. Yeah. So th- then the way that, and and if you do it in a full leaf, it takes up a lot of volume if you don't compress yeah. it. So they will compress it in these huge, these little stone mills, and they will compress it into a cake form. And when you open the cake, um, and you crack it open, um, it's still, it comes back to a full leaf. What? Oh, my goodness. So how do you, so when you have a, like, a cake, how do you, chip away at it. Is yeah, there a so special... there's actually a special tool. Okay, there's a special, there's a special tool. tool, yeah. I was like, do you just take a cheese knife? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could. Sometimes when, I, when I'm, when uh, i you know, at a traveling or something, I'm so desperate that I just use a little butter knife or something to try to open it. Yeah, But yeah. there is a special tool that you use to open like the, or chip away the cake. Okay, what does it look like? Oh, it's very sharp. It's very sharp. Because I guess it's a very dense Yes, cake. it's very dense. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, there has definitely been an uptake in me hearing the word poor tea mm-hmm. um 
I, I listened to uh, Tim Ferriss's podcast, mm-hmm. and he, he's been talking a lot about how he's been drinking Pur for a long time. Yeah. Um, and then there's this other, this brand that he's endorsing right now that mm-hmm. they do, I think it's like crystals, mm. like crystal tea, but it's poor. So mm-hmm. I, anyways, um, so yeah, it's, it's becoming definitely more mainstream. Yeah. I drink poor tea every day. I start, I always start my morning with a, with a poor, a raw poor tea. Mm-hmm. Um, I just find that it's really grounding for me. Mm. Um, and it's, you just feel such life force from the tea from the, yeah. the trees really the trees yeah i was just gonna say like it's, it's so funny that you said that because as you were talking i just kept on thinking about how much i really like like the woody type yes. teas yes you know yeah. that that I've, i'm not an expert in any means but you know like have come to discover more and more about it over the last probably like year or two mm-hmm. and um yeah i always find myself going toward the ancient Tree, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, and with poor yeah. tea is very interesting because it's really similar to wine because each different village will taste completely different. Mm. It has mm. its own very distinct notes, distinct smell, distinct fragrance. Yeah, um, so it's very fascinating. Mm. And even if it's two villages from the same mountain range, it, it will taste completely different, and the price point could be a hundred times different. Actually, it's so incredible. I I remember when I saw you last, you and I were having a conversation and we were talking about like the similarities similarities between how you pour your tea and how I do my sound journeys and you were saying that you could literally be pouring a, a certain type of tea and then say uh, Lynn would pour the same tea but it will taste different. Oh yes. Yeah, because yes. You were saying it could matter, like what energy you were in. For sure, everything. Um, how you're pouring the water onto the leaves. Yes. And I just it blew my it blew my mind because I didn't even think about that. Yes, you know? yes, completely different. Actually, you will taste you the same teas. You make it in the same with the same temperature of water. It will taste very different. Actually, it really mm-hmm. takes on your own personality. I feel like with tea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 There is like a true energetic exchange between oh, sure. you as the. For sure, poorer and yes. and the poor. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. It takes on every little um, detail, if you like. You know, mm. Everything matters. Yeah. Tea. And that's why when you make yourself tea or you share tea with friends, it's it's really a unique experience. Yeah, yeah. you're putting your love in, yeah. into it in, in, in a way, right? Yeah. How you're doing it. Yeah, like Lynn, she would make a tea and it would, because she's like a more gentle, she would, the tea would always taste more gentle. Right. Lighter, I would say. Yes. And then with me, I could make a, a light oolong taste like a like a roasted oolong. You know, mm. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. And just to clarify, Lynn is um, Jude's business partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, you know, watching you guys pour the tea is, is mesmerizing, too, because it feels like just this you're watching this beautiful ceremony. So many people have said that. They said yeah. just sitting there and just watching is therapeutic. Yeah. Just watching the water pouring in, water pouring out. Yes, it's yes. therapeutic. Yeah, yeah, because you're you're doing other things too. It's not just like tea in the pot, and mm-hmm. then but there's a certain way you pour and like right. Yes, yes. yeah, yeah. Then there's many little different um, utensils that we use. Yes, and, and there's the little teapots or and, and the little teacups and even the way the your server. drainage is. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very 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 cool. Thank um, you. So yeah, I hope I hope someday we'll do some sound and tea together. For sure, we have to. Yeah, you know, yeah. That'd be a very, very interesting experience. I think it'd be really, really uh, interesting for sure. Um, also, you do kombucha, which... Oh, yes. Yes. Yes, we do kombucha yeah. as well. 
which is very good. I'll, I'll often go in there and be like, this is how I'm feeling. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Can you recommend something? But you use, um, is it for your tea too that you filter all the water with the Japanese homo? Bintotan. Yes. Bintotan. Yes, yes. Bintotan. Yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's when you get into that caliber of tea, it's very important that the water you use is pure because really there's nothing else that's going into the tea. It's literally yeah. to tea leaf and water. Yeah. So the Chinese have um, is have always said that to make the good tea, the best teas, three things are very important: the tea, the water, and the ware. So the mm. what you're using to make tea, the material, oh, okay. whether it's clay or porcelain, or uh, it's very important. Yeah. Mm. So we purify our water uh, with the Japanese binchotan, the, mm. the, the charcoal. So what's the difference between like something that is um, in ceramic versus porcelain. So um, it, it, everything matters because the glazing, right? What glaze they use. Oh, yeah. For example, yeah. there are some glazes that they use uh, with just completely natural material. Mm-hmm. And it really is, helps to soften the water. Mm. Um, and also the temperature of the firing, right? So if it's fired at lower temperature versus higher temperature, it will taste the tea will taste different. Mm. The higher temperature ones will make the tea taste better, more pure. Yeah, uh, and then obviously you're going from let's say porcelain ceramic to a clay, um, and that will taste completely different too because clay is completely unglazed, so it will absorb um, the tea, the aroma, the fragrance, and the oils from the tea, and over time it starts giving back to the tea, and it acquires a patina on it as well. Yeah, yeah. So everything um, matters in, in mm. tea, and I think that's that's also very very beautiful. It is really beautiful. Again, there's so much in intention, mm-hmm. you know. Um, what has, what has tea taught you about who you are or what has it brought out of you in the years that it's come into your life? Um, I think tea has taught me a, more about simplicity and just appreciating the subtleties, the mm-hmm. hidden beauties of life. Mm-hmm. Because it is so simple, what you're making is basically just tea leaves and water. But it really helps you to slow down. It really helps you to be with yourself. And by doing that, you see more, you feel more, and you create an open open space for yourself. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's like an act of meditation. It is very act- meditative. Yeah. And like you said, an act of creating space. For yourself, which is something that a lot of people say they don't they don't have, mm-hmm. it really isn't doesn't take too long to make yourself a it cup. It really right? doesn't. It could be. Do you think like, like ten to fifteen? Like yeah, fifteen minutes, to, fifteen to twenty, 20 minutes, minutes a day. Right, yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think it's also taught me to be just curious and not to have any ideas or preconceptions about things mm-hmm. to assume things. Yeah. Right. Um, just be open. Yeah. Does it excite you when you pour a tea and, you know, it just like it, it tastes a certain way and it was oh, like unexpected? Sure. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. I'm always excited to try a new tea or like a new pour from a new mountain um, because it really does transport you to a different place. Yeah. Um, you know, tea is so much about the nuances. It make, it's about how it makes you feel and how it makes you feel afterwards, too. Mm. It's not just, mm-hmm. just about, oh, the tasting notes, right? So it's mm-hmm. not just about, oh, I'm tasting strawberries or apricots or whatever yeah it's about the whole experience yeah i agree is there a new generation of tea farmers that are cropping up or is it is it truly kind of a, a dying art that you know we need to people 
should look at supporting through I, discovering tea? I think it's definitely a, it is a, a, a dying art, but at the same time, there are a, a new generation, but very limited number, of, of course, mm. of young people that they they see and they love that craft, the heritage, mm-hmm. and they really want to do their part to, per, to help and, and, and preserve it mm-hmm. and, and try their best to try to pass it down to yeah. the generations. Um, so there there is, but it's 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 a slow process. But I think a lot, young some young people nowadays they go to school in the big cities, and um, and after they get their degrees, they want to go back to their hometown, mm. and and uh, so that's very beautiful. It's not all cracked up to be sometimes, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The degree and the the big city job. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're finding that what they do in their hometown could be very very fulfilling as well. Yeah, right. So if someone wanted to get more into tea and bring this to their palate, um, what what do you recommend they do first? I think they just have to be curious. They just mm. have to be curious and they just have to um, taste, to just 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 try different things and taste different teas and just taste it and, and uh, or go on and experience it. Um, right. Like, you know, uh, maybe go to a tea bar or... Just, just sit and 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 experience the tradition, experience the the whole, um, I guess, tea ceremony, seeing the pouring and and trying different teas. Right. Yeah. I guarantee anyone who comes to to cultivate and watches it, you will definitely be hooked for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um. So you have a, a couple a couple of other things in the works, not fully formed, mm-hmm. but nonetheless exciting. <laughs> in Mount Pleasant, mm-hmm. you've got a space. Yes, yes. So we have a space in the the building that's uh, called Habitat, right on Broadway and Guelph, mm-hmm. and it's um it's a really quite a cool space. The developer has uh, uh, activated the back lane, so we're on the corner of Guelph and the back lane, mm. and uh, facing the back lane, it's um, the, you can actually open the windows completely, so that people can dine or, or drink something uh, outside and, and and look into the space, and it's just more much more dynamic that way, which is. Uh, more like you know in Europe or in, in Asia. Yes. Um, so that's quite exciting. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about that. When you were telling me about that earlier, I just got really, really uh, fuzzy inside. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I love when just things like that start coming to life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, I feel like Vancouver is in this very interesting space right now, where it's like on the cusp of really coming alive. I think it's true. Yeah, I kind of kind of feel it in the air and yeah. in the conversations that I'm having with um, people like yourself or other friends who are, you know, fully entrenched with like wanting to drive culture here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people are really excited. Yeah, there's a bubbling of ideas and energy, I think. Yes, I agree. I agree. So continuing more of these conversations for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, just a couple more questions. Mm-hmm. Um, when you... When you look back at your younger self and you look at your life now, um, could you imagine like any that you would have been on this trajectory? Definitely not. No, for sure not. Yeah, because I've always thought that I was, um, when I was in university and I, I was um, more a corporate person, I was into the, I wanted to be busy, I wanted to be doing many things, um, but now I'm just running a, a tea shop. Mm-hmm. And 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 right now, currently, I'm trying to not do things really, 
to not do many things at all mm-hmm. and just let go and just um, just learn more about myself mm. right so I could not have imagined that for sure mm. yeah yeah which is very I mean it's quite the opposite really yeah. yeah I'm I mean hearing this <laughs> learning this about you I even feel surprised that you were once wanting that you know fast yeah big city yeah. life but you know, we all we all evolve. That's true. That's true. And I think there's uh, we are all have different sides of us. We're all very quite. I mean, I'm kind of a more of a polarizing person. Mm. So yeah, but just learning about yourself, and uh, I think that's that's very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, for sure, I agree. And the final question: mm-hmm. with what it is you do, what do you want to leave behind in the world? Mm, I think it really it just just is a space to uh, create a space for people just to be curious just to be curious about things be open and curious mm. um, same with like this is the tea same it's with the tea shop so I you don't have to be a tea drinker to come to the shop mm-hmm. because I got into tea not because I was a tea drinker I was just open and curious and so you never know what you're going to discover if you're just curious and open, you never know where that's going to take you, because tea is not—it's—it's—it's it's, it's kind of a, a connecting part. It's, it's through tea you might discover something else. You mm-hmm. might uh, there's so much that's connected to tea, learning about yourself, feeling connected to nature, or others. Others exactly yeah. through the conversations that you have, you develop empathy and compassion of other people mm. and you hear about other people's ideas um, and their dreams and, and what they're doing mm-hmm. um, or it could go into I don't know uh, learning about the art of incense or music or calligraphy or whatever it is right so it's um, I think that's a just be open and curious mm. yeah I think that's a great way to live life and something that we often kind of lose along the way as we become adults <laughs> yeah because we have such strong preconsumptions and, and such strong beliefs mm-hmm. and it's very rigid mm-hmm. right yeah it's yeah. very rigid and I think when we're that rigid we really miss out on a lot of things mm. yeah we don't even see things anymore we don't we don't mm. hear things anymore because we're so caught up in our own beliefs mm. and preconsumption right yeah. yeah well that's it stay curious everyone yeah <laughs> <laughs> and also go to Jude's shop (laughs) and have a tea. (laughs) Thank you for being here. I really appreciate um, you and the conversations that we have. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, it's always a great conversation with you. Always, yeah. always. You never many know more. what we're going to get into. Yeah, many I know. More, many, we many never more. do. We don't. We never know what the conversations lead to. You know? <laughs> yeah. Always good conversations and definitely some good laughs That's in for between. Sure. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you, man. Thank you. If you enjoyed that last conversation, be sure to check out more episodes with Craft on Spotify and guest photo galleries on the website at wearethecraft.com. Thanks again for listening.